Amen. Hey guys, how you doing? Yes. So I am here on stage uh, with Lynn Kitchens, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. She's a big deal around here, man. She's way more popular than you. She's a big deal at my house, too. Yeah. And this is Ted Kitchens. Uh, yeah, it's true. You got, you got some love, too, in there. It's true. It's it was true. obligatory. You know, they, had, they already cheered for her, so they kind of had to cheer for you. I expected uh, it. For those of you guys who don't know, Ted is the guy who has the power to fire me at any minute. Uh, that's, that's Ted's role. Ted is our senior pastor here at Christ Chapel uh, and his wife, Lynn. And you guys have been here at 37 trip. years. 37 years. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Uh, and so what tonight is, is uh, tonight, tonight, we, we've done this once before, maybe six months ago, eight months ago with just you. And we thought, yeah. man, let's upgrade. Let's soup it up a little bit and add, <laughs> add Lynn to it. Um, our hope for tonight is, man... These two are, are heroes in my wife and, and my life. Um, did that sentence make sense? My wife and I. I, I want to say my wife and eyes, but she gets mad when I say eyes. Correct grammar. Yeah, thank you, babe. <laughs> shout, out, shout out to Danielle. Um, and, uh, and so, man, they're, they're heroes to us. By the so, way, Ben, Lynn never corrects me in public. Ah, uh, is that right? <laughs> mm. No, it's, it's not right. <laughs> <laughs> babe, we need to talk. We need to talk. Oh, it was correct. She was affirming me, Ted. Oh, she was saying my well, was well. also, okay. Lynn never affirms me in public. Uh, <laughs> ouch. Okay, okay. Point, point for the Fuquays right there. Um, so anyway, man, we just, they, they um, these two people uh, love the Lord in some really, really cool ways and, and have lived a life of faithfulness in some really cool ways. And so as a ministry, um, specifically a ministry to young adults, I mean, we just thought, let's get them up here every once in a while and just have them... Uh, share truth with us. So that's kind of what tonight is. It'll probably go off the rails a little bit, but that's okay. We just want to hear wisdom from you guys. Um, we have been in a series of Ephesians. It's a book in the Bible, Ted. It's in the New Testament. Uh, but we've been in Ephesians. We've been, we've been in Ephesians for the last uh, couple let me, months. Let me remind you of something, Ben. <laughs> well, actually, two things. One, I can fire you. Okay, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But the second thing is I preached over 1,200 Whoa. different sermons standing right there. Right here. Right there. Right there. Right in this one. Mm-hmm. Nice. 1,200, yeah. That's incredible. One week I was preaching, and uh, this really happened, and uh, there's a huge air conditioner right above us here, uh-huh. and it, it's, it overflowed. It started leaking, and just water started gushing down behind me, and so I'm so sharp. I just used an illustration of rain from heaven, <laughs> and uh, then we had a baptism right after that, right there. That, nice. <laughs> that was the day that Lynn got saved, right? That's right. That was yeah. the day. Yeah. That's good. Some pretty bizarre stuff in this room, but anyway. I, That's awesome. Yeah, so give us some, uh, before we jump into the Ephesians stuff, give us some background of the room we're at, because a lot of you guys are, are Christ Chapel people. A lot of you aren't, but you're part of Renovate. We love that. Some of you guys are guests. So we're obviously in this room. This is a, this is a big church, right? How did it, you've been here from the beginning, essentially. How did this happen, right? How did this church happen? What, you know, how did it explode the way it did? You want to share it, no, you, you do. Well, uh, the, the church started in 1980. So how many years ago is that? 37? And it was 80, there were 87 people. When Lynn and I came, the church was about nine months old, and there were about eight, there were 47 people started it. It was a small group of folks. And I was seven months pregnant. With wow. our daughter, uh-huh, Cassie. Mm-hmm. And so they needed a full-time preacher. So in a long series of events, God orchestrated. We ended up here. And we actually met for the first couple of years over on a, a, a church on Camp Bowie. 
And we rented their little chapel area. And then this place became available because Birchman Avenue Baptist Church owned this. And this was just this building right here. And then the atrium where we just had dinner, had the salads and all that. Yeah, tailgate. That was outside. It was outside. In fact, all those doors you see there were actually windows. And so, um, and then other side of the outside open courtyard area was that building where the, the, Fifth and sixth grade is, mm-hmm. and the men's and the kitchen and all that. There wasn't uh-huh. a kitchen there. At any rate, that's all there was. And twenty three parking places right behind the building. Wow. So the only place for fellowship was that little hall when you just came but in. Really? Yeah. In the back there. Yeah. That's right. That was yeah. it. That was the whole church. And anyway, uh, before I digress on that thing, uh, so but we bought this in nineteen eighty four from Birchman Avenue Baptist Church, who wanted to move. They they moved out west of town, and man, it was so much fun, Ben, to be. To be here, to have your own, our church had our own, it was about like a hundred of us. Maybe it was 100. real ugly. Oh, it was hideous, hideous. This room was really <laughs> ugly. Yeah, those Baptists really burned us. Uh, they, uh, they sold Baptist. us a real bummed out place. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let me tell but you. we didn't care. Oh, we didn't care. no, we were having so much fun. It was so wonderful. Underneath here is a fellowship hall or big room. You may have, if you've ever mm-hmm. been down there. The basement. A basement. And we act, it had a stage. And so about once a month and once every two months, we'd have a Sunday night church supper. That's when I learned how powerful and how much authority the senior pastor has. Because I remember mentioning, one, this first, I really learned this. I said, you know, tonight we're having a fellowship supper. And, you know, and I was just joking like you do all the time. I said, you know, I just love peaches, peach cobbler, peach ice cream. And that night, <laughs> there must have been, there were only about 41 people showed up. <laughs> and four, 40 of them brought peach cobbler, peach ice cream, peach pie, nice. peach cake. Yeah, that's, so that's power right there. Power and authority. I had it. <clears throat> Wow! Uh, but the room was wonderful, and, and we just we grew into here, and the church grew from here, and we added on, built the atrium out there. We we just did the tailgating and all that. But I do have one hist- sort of interesting historical fact: it, the room didn't look anything like this. There is a gentleman in our city named Ken Blassingame. Ken is one of as a world renowned decorator, interior decorator. Ken came to Christ, and he always sat in the balcony right over there when I preached every Sunday. We just had one service, 11 o'clock, pretty traditional. We didn't have any, uh, any contemporary music like this in those days. And you'll see this baptistry up here. I know we've had baptisms before. I don't think I've told you this before. The tile story, yes. Uh, the tile story? T- no, I, tell I disagree with you firmly, but go ahead. Do you? Okay. On the tile story? Well, uh, yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell okay, you what well, I disagree Nevertheless, with. the tiles were a hideous pea green. Just oh, horrible, is... kind of a soft green, yucky. Everything was the carpet, the pews, yeah. the curtains. Wow. Yeah, yeah. In fact, yeah. you knew if somebody had been to church on Sunday because if you saw them at the restaurant after church, they had varnish all over the back of their shirt <laughs> or their coat because it came off the pews. So yeah. worn out. Anyway, he sat up there and he didn't. He didn't. The room was so ugly. He began to think, and we had no money, and, and uh, but he began to think what could be done. <clears throat> and he he's the one who de- completely decorated the White House when George. W. Bush was in the White House. Yeah. It's a big deal. Completely redid the whole thing. And he, yes, he's world renowned. Anyway, he's the one who remodeled this room That's on awesome. his own time and uh, God honoring uh, help. Anyway, he went all the way to Mexico himself. And uh, there's some quarry down there, some ceramic agent made those tiles personally, each one of them by hand. And Ken Blassingham purchased those and brought them back here and had an artisan put them up. You, talk, you talked about this last time. Yeah. yeah. Two things. One, I think that looks tacky. Just saying, right? <laughs> mm. 
Two, I am not convinced that he went to Mexico to get those tiles. You're not. You're just... I am ah. almost 90% sure he went to Home Depot and got those tiles. <laughs> and then told you he went to Mexico and got tiles. Maybe, that's okay, right. Okay, and I know something else Ted's not telling. Okay, okay. Ted, you I'm should sure you follow know. Kenneth around and say, don't foe that wall. I'll get the deacons to do it. Yeah. Trying to save money to this professional uh, decorator. So he didn't like Ted too much, and he would run and hide from him <laughs> nice. and complain about it. I tried to get a lot of free stuff out of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. Whenever the pies were out, whenever you're out of the, yeah. the pies, you were like, all right, let's see if I can get some free decorating. But you know one thing that probably you haven't noticed, Ben, uh -huh. okay. is look into that very carefully. What do you see? Uh, Home Depot tiles. <laughs> no. You see the cross the and, three the, crosses. and the thieves yeah, on the left and right. Have you guys noticed that? Uh -huh. Yeah. Pretty cool. I, I, I feel bad. It. I feel bad I for making it. fun of it now. I feel bad for making fun of it. Okay, good. <laughs> it's amazing. On. It's amazing, guys. Uh, I love that. Anyway, a lot of neat things happen in this room. Uh, uh -huh. Rick, Rick Scott, who happens to be the governor of the state of Florida, was, came to Christ in this room. And, That's awesome. Uh, yeah, and, and came right down here one Sunday when I was preaching. And so uh, some wonderful things have happened in this room, not just important That's people, cool. but people, everybody's important, but, but folks from all over, all sure. walks of life, a lot of wonderful things. Have That's happened. incredible. So how did this church get to be so big, right? I mean, we're, you know, this massive church. Yeah. But what happened? Like, what did, what created this? What did, how did God do this? You know, have you ever seen those little tiny little dinosaur you can buy <laughs> that when you put water on them, they just go, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you ever seen one of those? Yeah. That's it. You sold those, and this is, <laughs> you sold, no, I you sold those, and he raised money, and you... <laughs> I bought one and I put water on it <laughs> and turned it to a church. You know, I, I can't, we, maybe Lynn could answer that. I, yeah. Lynn, how I did this happen? I just think people were looking for a church that was just teaching the Word of God. Hmm. And um, that's what we did. And we had a, a great community as far as loving on each other and caring sure. for each other. And so I think those two things. And then totally we felt the Spirit of God here. Obviously, everything happened through God's Spirit. Totally. And never did any of us think, let's build a big church. It was never, never, my mind. never on the list. In fact, we got so crowded in here, literally, that we had partitions made at Easter that went out down the sidewalk. People would line up, and you would come through here. They, they'd keep these doors shut. Then they'd open them, and the crowd that was in here were escorted out those doors. Wow. So, so we had this U, and we did like eight services. Yeah, that's and, crazy. And um, it was crazy, and then Ted was preaching four times every Sunday in here. Man. And the elders would say, we think we need a bigger building, and he would be like, no, we're not about a building. Yeah, I've heard that story. You were really, a, you were like, I don't yeah. want to build another building. I don't want to build yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. What, what was but that God about? God had a plan. What, yeah. Well, I, you know, you... I didn't want to be about a building. So the, mm -hmm. the criticism of pastors throughout my life and even now is that all we are about is money, mm -hmm. getting bigger. Mm -hmm. If you build it, they'll come, which is absolutely not true, by the way. Uh, 150 churches a week close in America. Mm -hmm. 1,500 pastors leave the, mm -hmm. the pastorate a month in the, mm -hmm. in the U.S. So I, I didn't want to be about raising money. Plus, we, we, we're cash only. You folks know that? No. Nope, in other words, not. yeah. I mean, we don't go to the bank and borrow any money. If, we're totally debt-free. We don't, totally we don't debt believe free, in borrowing debt. It's borrow. part of our constitution. It's, yeah, it's in the constitution. Now, it's not biblically wrong to borrow money at all, and we know that and would never teach that. But it's very prudent and frugal for a church to not borrow money. Here's why. If there really is a God, and we believe that there is, of course, and as the psalmist says, he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Mm -hmm. If it's something he wants done, guess what he's also going to do? He's going to pay for it. Yeah. And so you cast a vision, you pray, you wait on him. And that's what we did. And I, I was afraid to do that. I, 
if you can't borrow money and you're, you're telling people, God's telling us that we're, he wants us to build a sanctuary down on the end of this facility that holds more people than this little room would. Because as Lynn said, we were having four services a day and they were all full. Actually, we had four services and three overflow rooms. Underneath was an overflow room. Next door was an overflow room across from where you had your tailgate. That big room there was overflow room. And then we had another overflow room somewhere. The men's bathroom or somewhere is a big old floor. <laughs> so, uh, and so we, I, I was exhausted. And when I stood up and said, I think it's time, the elder board said, it's time to, to see if God wants us to build a church. And we put a pin to it and it was 20 million. I'm thinking $20 million is just yeah. unfathomable. Yeah. That's the national debt. I mean, it's more money than there's in the whole world. <laughs> yeah. And so, <laughs> I don't. I don't know if your numbers are quite correct on that, but yeah, I think so, Ben. I think so. Okay, you can anyway, be right. You're probably right. Anyway, and so that's how it happened. We, we cast the vision in God's people. And by the way, uh, beloved, um, not only did we raise the twenty million dollars, it just kept coming in, and it kept coming in, and it kept coming in. Mm-hmm. And we bought for four million dollars the corner where Soul Carries, you know, the corner pro- of There's a Montgomery. biblical counseling, free biblical mm-hmm. counseling Place. center right there. Yeah, on the, corner the biggest street. biblical counseling center I think <clears throat> in the city is right on the corner mm-hmm. here, which the church owns. It's called Soul Care, and we bought all of that for four million, and we built the parking garage for four million, wow. and the, and that was all for money that just continued to come in. Mm-hmm. And just so everyone knows, the reason that we built that sanctuary was obviously to accommodate more. Uh, people so we could teach the truth and grow sure. more disciples for Christ. And you're not preaching 20 services a day? To, for my long-term stability <clears throat> and mental well-being. Which, by the way, I, after all that, I, I did have some d- depression from that. Yeah. But we can talk about that some other time. Yeah. But the, the bottom line was, <clears throat> we built that building because you know that this is the entrance to the arts district of the city of Fort Worth. And the city of Fort Worth is the top six cities in the whole country, the top six uh, for its artistic expression and museums and quality of uh, our Art, art yeah. yeah. And so we wanted to build on the corner of Montgomery, which is the entrance to the arts district, and I-30, a church that was artistically, yeah. uh, an, an expression of artistic endeavor, yeah. not just a box. Nothing wrong with a box for a church. Mm-hmm. It's just a building. But we wanted people to say, Fort Worth has art. Look at that church. It, that is an artistic piece. Yeah. And, and I, it, I do think we grew quite a bit once we moved over there. We did, yeah. Because we were visible, but, but that was part of God's plan. Yeah. I mm-hmm. met a woman the other day who was older, <clears throat> and she um, told me this great story of her and her husband. Her daughter said, let's go to the Botanic Gardens. There's a big church right near there. Let's go to church there. And this older couple, when it was over, they looked at each other and said, we hadn't learned that much in the 20-something wow. years we've been in our church. And they've never left. Praise and they God. only came because yeah. it was next to Botanic Gardens. Sure. Yeah, That's awesome. so that was cool. I love the intentionality, you know, the leadership of this church <clears throat> with everything they do. And we try to do that in little ways with Renovate, right, with, right. with the tailgate. We don't, we don't just feed you guys because we want to make it convenient for you. We feed you guys. We, we eat because we feel like there's something really biblical about breaking bread together. And because we're called to be more than a show, we're called to be a community. And so let's break bread. But you guys model intentionality as a church leadership in even the design of the building and, and the way that you say you want to be, I know you've talked so much about how we'll go above and beyond in something about this church so that it will bless the neighborhood. So that neighbors will feel like they don't have an eyesore in their backyard. Even the fact that this grass parking lot now, that grass parking lot's a nightmare for Rick, who's it's the guy nightmare. who's in charge of that, right? And, and when it he rains, hates it. When it when rains, rains, we can't, you can't park use there. it, and, and it's, a, it's a nightmare, and it mm-hmm. costs way more money. But we did that as a church. You guys did that because you said, man, 
these neighbors, we want to be a blessing to them. We don't want there to be a big concrete parking that's lot right. right there. We want, we want to be a blessing. We want to add value. And that's what the kingdom is. That's what the body of Christ should be. We should be in our community adding value. Uh, and I love that. I love the, the example you all set. Yeah, when you hear criticism, and I'm not saying you will, but you may along the way. Of that, I'll probably, it'll be me making yeah, fun of the tiles uh, or something. None of those tiles. Yeah. But if you hear criticism <laughs> of the main building, you should know, uh, you sh- your response should be, that's just a big church with those big old, look yeah. at the folks are just trying to show off. The bottom line was that was never our intention. It, our intention was for people who come to Fort Worth, the city officials of Fort Worth, the mayor, who we know very well, and, uh, and the city council to say, that church can, cares about the arts district, yeah. and that's, and we believe that's the best testimony for Jesus. That's what the role of the church should be. Yeah, I love that. You you alluded to this. Uh, if you don't mind, I'd love for you to talk a little bit. You said you know, you're preaching what eight sermons. He's preaching eight sermons a week or something like that a, a day. You kind of sank into a depression. Yeah. Do you mind unpacking that? I think a lot of us, honestly, and, and those of you who know who know you or know of you in this room, but even those who don't, you're a, you're a senior pastor of a of a incredibly uh, uh, healthy church, <clears throat> I think it's really easy for us to look at both of you guys and say, y'all are invincible. Yeah. You guys don't struggle with what we might struggle with. Um, you know, but, but you really sank into depression, and what did that look like? Where did that come from? And then, Lynn, mm-hmm. how, how did you deal with that as, as a wife? Well, you can be right in God's will, and you can have a close yeah. and intimate relationship with Christ and still experience some anxiety, yeah. emotional ups and downs. Sometimes it's circumstantial. I mean, and that was the case for me. Sometimes it's chemical. Sometimes it's in your DNA. You're an inclination toward it because parents, grandparents struggle with that as well. But for me, it was circumstantial. And you know what I mean by that. Uh, I was preaching four times a week, a day, running the church, hiring staff members, uh, building buildings, raising $20 million, which was incredibly frightening. Because if the money doesn't come in, what do you tell people? God said, first you, God said, let's build that building. And then the money didn't come in. You go back and say, well, I, I wasn't hearing well that day. Yeah. And the, the pressure of that was just so much. And one morning, I was uh, preparing a new series of sermons. In fact, I still remember the title. It was called, um, the sermons were called uh, Images Everything. And it was from the book of Genesis about mm-hmm. male and female, how God's created us in his image. Images Everything was the title of the series. And I walked in on a Monday morning. I said, honey, uh, something to this effect. She may remember the exact words. I can't do this anymore. Uh, I can't. Burned out. I can't go to church. I can't write another sermon. I'm actually going to church, and I'm going to quit. Wow. And uh, probably the only time I've ever done that in 37 years. Sure. And so she said, "No, you're not going to." Because she's she's incredible. How do you do? You remember that moment? You remember him walking in, and you remember it like that? I just <clears throat> yeah. I I don't remember it totally, but just trying to encourage him that you know. God's in on this, and mm-hmm. so he's going to be here. He's always been here for us, mm-hmm. so give it some time. And, and he went ahead and shared with leadership and all yeah. that. So. Yeah. And then I went to a doctor. I went to see a doctor. <clears throat> but she, Lynn said, no, you're not quitting. You're going to see a doctor. That was essentially the conversation. And so I, 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 because I've been here so many years, I've got such precious doc friends, that internists and psychiatrists and psychologists that I send our folks to and, and all that. So I went to one of them and sat down just cried with him and he said well it's obvious to me that you you're just burned out and so he mm. prescribed a little something for me and mm. uh, I was off and running and a couple months later I was well, kind of feeling better and sure and and I just kept pushing forward and, sure. and one day I woke up and you know if you've ever gone through any depression before your biggest fear is you're going to go back into it mm-hmm. you know what I mean you say oh no I feel that coming on again yeah but after a while it falls off of you and you get back into pace and 
And so we've been committed since then not to let that happen again. That's why you see me, I don't preach as much as I used to, and I, and I won't in the future preach as much as I used to. I try to pace myself sure. with a variety of things in my life so that more family-oriented, et cetera. That's awesome. That's awesome. We, we did this series in Ephesians, and one of the big themes of Ephesians is identity, right? Our identity in Christ. Now our identity then shapes our action. Yeah. <clears throat> I would love for you, Lynn, for you to start. Share with us what that identity transforming, really your testimony, right? What did yeah. that look like? You know, how yeah. did, and what, were, what was it kind of before and after, and, and how yeah. did God shape your identity to push into action in your life? Okay, thanks. <clears throat> yeah, I am so... Praise God. I was raised in a non-Christian home. Fortunately, I had parents that that loved me, but we didn't talk about anything spiritual. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't have any relatives that went to church. I mean, not anything. Mm. But God sent a neighbor. I remember his name, Mr. Walkhammer. He would take his kids to a church a mile or two away, and he would grab my sister and I. Mm. And a lot of times I remember lying there thinking, don't set the alarm. Don't. I hope she didn't set the alarm because I didn't want to go. I mean, it was another play day. Yeah. But praise God, he would show up and knock on the door. My mom was glad to get rid of us. <laughs> so she'd send us off. And I don't remember theologically that I learned anything there. But from singing, I was a little girl, and I would go in the big church all by myself mm. and get in a pew and sit next to people probably think of where are her parents. <laughs> and I would sit there, and I would sing, How Great Thou Art. And that's how I learned there's a God, and he's great, and he sent his son. Wow. And he loves me. S- sitting there singing that How Great really Thou Art. That was really where I learned some <laughs> theology. Wow. And then in, um, I went through a confirmation class in middle school tried. I wanted to know God. I read and read. I could not understand anything in that book, what they were telling me. I went through the um, coming up on stage, and I looked out, and there's my whole family, my relatives, and I'm like, why are you here now? I mean, you don't ever come anyway. So those connections were weird to me, and um, I thought, when the pastor touches my head, then I'm going to be, I'm going to become a Christian. Everything's going to change, and and I felt nothing. Hmm. And I've been searching. And so I looked up and thought, nothing is different. I was very sad. So um, fortunately, my sister had come to Christ right after that through the Young Life ministry. So when I was 15, I went to a Young Life retreat in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, and someone shared the gospel. And I said, that is what was missing. I was so happy to hear what was it. And it was Christ. And I can remember it was night and these giant pine trees, and I ran outside and prayed to receive Christ um, by a pine tree at night. But here's one thing that I totally remember. (laughs) When we left at the end of the weekend, I got on a bus, and I remember sitting by the window and looking out and thinking, my life is not going to be what it would have been. Even at the age of 15, (laughs) I thought, the steps I take now will line up with the fact that I have a Savior and he has a plan for my wow. life. And so, At 15. Yeah, I can remember <clears throat> thinking that, and it must have been God's spirit. Yeah. But um, I thought, now my choices will be less about me and more about God. Wow, that's incredible. So, yeah. Just that identity producing yes. action. That's that great. was my new identity, <clears throat> even at 15, I knew. Because up to that point, everything I was doing was entirely selfish. Sure. And I still, obviously, do selfish things. But I knew there was now a goal and a purpose. Yeah. That was to get to know God. That's incredible. And you stayed plugged in with Young Life. That was a big part of your growth. And yeah. As you continue That's how we met. 
Yeah, and they discipled that. me. <clears throat> I did it when I got into college, you know, volunteered with it. Wow. Mm-hmm. How about you? <clears throat> what, what did that look like? Busted family. Um, mom and dad didn't uh, survive their marriage. Four of us. I'm the eldest. And so at 13, my, my mother goes back to Lubbock, Texas with my three siblings, younger siblings, and my dad and I, I stay in here in Fort Worth. My father lived on the east side. We lived on the east side of Fort Worth. And I stayed with my dad. So I was 13. So he and I lived alone for a couple years. And then uh, uh, 15, at 15 uh, years old, um, 16 rather, my, I was in high school. And uh, it was September. It was the second day of school. I was walking down the hall. And my best friend today walked up to me. And at the time, I didn't know him very well. And, and, and I actually, at that time, didn't like him when I knew him. Uh, he, you know, he was just obnoxious and rude. He had a Bible in his pocket right here, and he just walked up to me and said, do you, you know Jesus? Now, you know how you always respond to that question, especially when you're caught off guard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Went to the movie with him the other night. You know, something like that. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Of course, obviously, I didn't know what he was talking about. Over the course of the next couple months, through discussions with him, and I came to Jesus. Now, Get my picture now. I'm, I don't have a home. I've got a home, but a place to live, and a father, but no, no family. No family. Mm-hmm. He takes me, to, after I'm, I come to Christ on a Sunday night in November, he takes, in 1964, he takes me to church with him Sunday morning, and I fell in love with church. Hmm. Not doing church, but the people. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, it was my family. It was a, the comfortable place. To, I was young enough that I didn't know what bars were like. I didn't know all those things in my mm-hmm. life. At, at that point, I, I had a car, but that was about it. And it was a beat up piece of junk. And it, but, you know, I, I, and I, I just, I, I couldn't wait to go to church every Sunday. And of course, the Baptists, they don't do it now, but in those days, you went to church every night of the week. You went to Monday nights, you went to visitation. You visited people who came to church on Sunday morning. You had a little, they gave you, say, go see Ben. Go, go see Ben and Danielle. <laughs> And uh, Tuesday night, you had a prayer meeting. Wednesday night, you had a Bible study. And Thursday night, you ate pie. And Friday night, you all did this. <laughs> so, I mean, no, you couldn't drink in the Baptist church, but you could eat. So you just became huge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so the bottom line was, it was my family. And I just absolutely loved it. And I still do to this day. Yeah. Yeah. Howard Cleaver uh, was a deacon in that church. It was a pretty big church at the time, actually. And Howard just loved me. You know, just love me. Awesome. I used to sit in the back row and cut up. And I mean, my, my parents weren't going there. And he'd flick my ear. Howard, cut it out. He'd flick my ear. And say, awesome. You guys are, be quiet. He's preaching. <laughs> <laughs> and those kind of things. So I was just an imp. You know, yeah. just a, but, but you were loved by this community that you'd man, never experienced before. You never experienced that kind of acceptance man, and love. Did I love it. And that became <clears throat> my identity, my family. Uh, that's a place I felt secure and loved and cared for. And, you know, like you mentioned at the beginning, there's no perfect people in this room. Sure, yeah. But, and they, that's how they felt. But they would throw their heads back and sing about Jesus. And I'm just sitting there going, what? That's really my introduction to the faith. That's it's, awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then you guys met through Young Life. Yeah. Right? You swooped her up. No, uh, I'm rich. And she saw that. <laughs> uh, Nice. Yeah, now, yeah Young Life guys were all real rich. <laughs> yeah. Now, wait a second, though. You, before you did ministry, you owned a business. Yeah. You're not just a, I mean, you were a business owner and you started a business, like the, yeah. it was like a ski. What I had it? the largest snow ski rental business in the southern part of the United States for years. The largest snow no, ski re- rental, rental business. Rental. Mm-hmm. 
which he started to get through seminary because mm -hmm. he didn't have growing. any money. I didn't have any money, so I started this business. It was right here in Fort Worth, by the way. That's awesome. Yeah. And then you sold it. I sold it. I had a big machine shop. I sold it. You know? That's awesome. Yeah, I did stuff like that. So I, I had, before I came here. And so is that, is that what, was it his money, Lynn? Is that what it was? Yeah, it was my money. <laughs> well, because I, when we met, met, we married, I was 49 and she was 17. And so uh, that, you know, <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> but I'm considerably older, but more mature. <laughs> no, I do remember we were at camp in Colorado. I was doing summer staff. He was doing program. I was on program. So he always was had on his cowboy outfit. In, in costume. He had his long flowing blonde hair ah, at that time. Long, I have no flowing. hair now. Yeah. Yeah, with wow. his cowboy hat. And I can remember all the staff sitting in a giant circle in a room, and I was looking around, and I said to somebody, "How old is that guy right there?" <laughs> and they said, "Let's see, 26." And I was 19. And I uh, said, yeah. "Oh my gosh, he's ancient." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I never thought I'd talk Let to him again. Let this be a lesson. Any <laughs> girl that shoots down a guy for being too old, yeah, you can, can be the next you believe it. This is it, man. Well, get this. She just took her braces off two weeks before I married her. For, for real? Uh, that's awesome. Hey, <laughs> how, old, how old are you? Dudes, take a lesson from me. Yeah. Man. So dudes, don't be discouraged by braces is what <laughs> I'm saying. Don't hearing. give up if she's really young. Yeah. And that... <laughs> be sure she's legal. There is a, there's a lot of girls that are cringing. They're, you're gonna see, you're gonna see afterward. A lot of girls run to their cars. <laughs> it's gonna just you be. Probably, we have, we you usually should. have a prayer time. I see some of these guys. You should run. To yeah. Your car. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. For, thanks for giving them that. Uh, that. That blessing. That's yeah, hilarious. that's how we met. Anyway, we met through ministry, you know, and that, that's awesome. And, and it actually, it was hard. I didn't want to get married at age 20. I had sure. no plans to get married at age 20. But you fell in love with this guy. But I'm with this guy who now is turning 27, and God just said, hey, this is, this is the plan, and we loved each other. I thought, okay, my friends thought I was crazy. Really? You know, being from Chicago, people weren't getting married at age 20. So that was kind of hard. Yeah, kind yeah. Kind of hard. But and then you picked up and moved down here. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. We had a home here. We did Young Life together here, uh, on the east side of Fort Worth. And then the, we've always actually done ministry together. Even mm -hmm. though I've always said to Lynn, and she knows this, find your see, seek your own place mm -hmm. in, in the kingdom of God. And she's yeah. done that incredibly well. Yeah, she has. Yeah. So she's yeah. been a tremendous support. Our children were raised here. My my son and daughter were baptized right there. Mm -hmm. Right there by the Home uh -huh. Depot house. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mexico. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> They might have been made in Mexico, <laughs> but I swear I saw them at Home Depot or maybe Ace. <coughs> uh, okay, so tell us, um, Ted, start with you. Tell us, give us one thing. Give us, you know, if you had one thing that you could just dispense wisdom. I'm going to ask both of you guys that question. So what's the one thing for, for young adults you'd say, man, this is the thing I'd, wanna, I'd want yeah. you to grasp hold of and, and hang on to? You mentioned that you might ask me that question, so I've thought about it, I guess, quite a bit. <clears throat> Let me answer it by telling you what I think the biggest problem today is with 20s and 30s, everyone in this room, anyone in that category, the biggest issue is lack of purpose. Hmm. Purpose changes everything. It changes the game for your life. When you have a purpose, when you understand what God has called you to be, and I know you're thinking, I'm not totally sure. I'm, I'm searching in the dark. I'm walking along the path of life. I, if you just want to know what it is, if you just believe God has it for you and begin to seek your purpose, 
um, I read surveys all the time. 72% of Americans wake up every Monday morning saying, oh, no, not another Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never wake up saying that. And anyone I know that has purpose in their lives, meaning there's a reason that to get up on Monday morning. I think that's the number one re- problem with millennials today. Mm. And I'm not criticizing millennials. Sure. I, actually, I think it's the, the sharpest, brightest, most capable yeah. uh, generation ever yeah. is, is your generation. Mm. But you have to decide does, if there really is a God, and there is, and he's sovereign and he is, then he has a purpose for you, you, young man, young woman. What's that purpose? And you say, well, I don't know yet. Okay, start looking. Believe it's there. Ask him. Start looking. Do it in the context of spiritual things within the, the church, or the spiritual, spiritual community, mm-hmm. and you will find it. Uh, your purpose could be to you know, s- save, the, save the world somewhere in, in Africa. It could be, it, it, it's always going to be a spiritual purpose, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a purpose within the church, but sure. it's a purpose that lifts up Christ in some direct or indirect way. Why are you here? Mm-hmm. And that's the reason we have so many people in counseling, so sure. many folks who are not doing well emotionally across the country, Sure, is because we just have lack of purpose. That's awesome. The ways, tangible things to, to give us, you know, it'd be what? Biblical community, being around other people to speak into that. What are some of the tangible things to say, okay, I'm searching for it. What's that look like to search for it? I was able to find my purpose because I had biblical community. Church was important to me. Sure. Church is not purpose. Everything you said at the beginning is absolutely sure. true. T- tons of flaws, tons of, of sinful people, and, but doing their best. Sure. But if you have a community, then you have people to encourage you, to keep you on the path uh, of walking with Christ and growing. You have folks to say, that's not you at all. Why are you doing that? It, it, mm-hmm. you, the community, the biblical community helps navigate you down that sure, pathway. Sure. Obviously, the scriptures are real important, mm-hmm. but you got to also risk. and Like, go, go to Belize. Mm-hmm. If you've never been to Belize, go to Belize and see what it's like in another part of the world. And it is in Central yeah. America, by the way. And so go, uh, and, go and enjoy, enjoy that. Down. See where God's taking you. Risk. So spiritual... Yeah. Get in the community, stay in the community. And I'm not saying this to you, Ben, because I'm a pastor and want these people to connect to our church. Sure, sure. That's not the case at all. Sure. That's the, absolutely the raw truth. That's how it happened for me. That's how it happened for Lynn. Yeah. We would not have met had she not been in the work mm-hmm. seeking mm-hmm. God. Her purpose was to serve Christ at that point in her life and to finish college at that point. She was mm-hmm. in college. So what is your, pur- your life purpose? Mm, that's good. That's good. I appreciate that. We, we appreciate that. Thank yeah, you. Sure. Lynn, how about you? What would be your one thing you'd want to give us? Yeah, I think um, I was, Ben had asked me about this, and I started thinking about a time when my daughter Cassie was in college. And she was saying, oh my gosh, I mean, I've got studies, I've got these extracurricular things, I've got these friends, I've got church, you know, how do I, you know, how do I fit God into this? And I can remember sitting down and drawing a pie. Mm Mm-hmm and putting sections in it and uh, mailing this to her and writing those things for the pieces of the pie. But I didn't write God as one of those pieces. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I wrote in the letter, you know, you cannot just say, this is this part of my life, this category, this category, and God is one of the categories in my life. I said, God is the pie. Yeah. (laughs) Do not make God one of your categories in your life. So he should be the pie, and all these things under it you act and move within them according to your relationship with God. That's good. Uh, so I just think it's so easy for me and maybe for you guys, I don't know, to think, 
okay, I, I live this way on this day and then on this time with my mm -hmm. friends. But everything should be done through that grid of who you are with God. Mm -hmm. And that is how you're blessed. And I think obedience goes along with that. And I'm not meaning legalistic obedience. I'm just meaning um, deciding that everything I do comes from my relationship with God, how I'm going to behave with my friends at work, at church, whatever I do, that's it. And I was reading Psalm 28 this, this last week, and I loved a line where it said, you know, God saves us, then he blesses us, then he shepherds us, and then he carries us forever. And I thought, let's let him do that. When we obey him and what he's called us to do, yeah. we get those blessings from God. And um, he will be true to what he says, that when we follow him, if you love me, you'll obey me. And then he has great plans for our life. So That's so good. That is so good. There's nothing I can add to that. That's so good. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you, thank you. Um, uh, here's what I'd like to do to kind of wrap up our time. <clears throat> We're going to have the band come up here in just a little bit, um, but, uh, and they're going to lead one more, one more song, and then we usually allow people to kind of stick around and pray if they want to, so you guys can stick around and pray after this last song, or you can head out and, and mingle. Uh, I think we got, what kind of chocolates did we get, Shannon? We got a, somebody buy specific kind of chocolates? So Shannon's probably out there serving somewhere, or Michael, no? Okay, we got, that's what it was. Lint, what is that? Lint chocolates as a play on Lynn's name. <laughs> so that's why we got those. Lint and Ted's name, Lint. Oh, yeah. I see what we did there. Yes. Yeah. So we got chocolate out there and coffee for you guys who, who want to stick around. <laughs> it's good. I, I see now. I'm, I'm catching on slowly. Um, here's what we'd like to do to, to end it is, um, for one, where do you think the church is going in the future, right? What's the church look like in the future? And then maybe a final encouragement from either one of you guys, just for us and for the, the future of the body of Christ in this community that we live in and all the struggles we live in, uh, maybe one final encouragement for that. The church in the future is going to have to be uh, more humble. Uh, that's not by way of structures, but just humble in spirit. More sacrificial. Uh, I, I think culture, the culture is changing so rapidly that we're going to be more hated more buffeted, so is Jesus. Mm -hmm. He said, if the world hates you, if that world hates me, he's going to hate you. Mm -hmm. But in the midst of that, here's what we have to do. We have to be people of great encouragement, of great joy, and, and happiness. And this is just, you're just passing through. Mm -hmm. you, this is not it. That's unfortunately how we think often, because today's Wednesday, and this is all there is. Nah, this is just, you're just passing through. So as you're passing through, be a servant leader. Hmm. Just be a servant leader. Now, I mentioned earlier, find your purpose in life. How you get your purpose, I left out. You have to, every day, just be a servant leader. How can I serve today? How can I love today? How can I represent Jesus today? How can I have joy today? Don't let the world get you down. Don't let all the difficult things out there that you see or fear from politics to North Korea. Stay calm. Jesus is in control of all that. You serve. You be a leader today. And he will show you your purpose. And when you find your purpose, every Monday morning will be mm. fun for you. That's awesome. Lynn, how about you? One, one encouragement, final yeah, encouragement. Yeah, I just think um, your generation and who you guys are, you have so much to bring into the kingdom and into the church. And mm -hmm. so to just be true 
you have, be true to who you are. You guys have a huge sense of community. You have a huge sense of helping each other. You have a great um, ability to express your faith in God in many ways. I think you're bolder than we were at your age. And so I would say, just because the world is going to get harder to be who you really are, just to never be ashamed of the gospel. Mm. And God will really continue to use you. I think you're the future of the church mm -hmm. because of those wonderful attributes you have. So just, you're going you're gonna to get persecuted in some ways that we didn't. And so just never be ashamed of who you are, what the gospel is, who he's called you to be. Just take these things that are wonderful about you right now and don't let go of them. Thank you. Ted, will you pray, for us, pray over us and pray for us? I'd be glad to. Let's pray together. Well, Jesus, the, the people in this room, including Lynn, me, and Dan, uh, Ben, and um, the others on the stage are yours. We're part of your body. And this evening, I'd like to ask you to put your very, very good, righteous favor over every individual in the room, uh, everyone who hears my voice, everyone participating tonight in this worship experience. That, as Lynn said, they would make you the center of their lives, not just a a category of their lives, not compartmentalize you, but you'd be the all in all. And that would be sufficient for them. They'd lead one day at a time in a servant's way, and you'd show them their purpose in life. So 10 years from now, I would see Monday mornings as being something I look forward to because they are making a difference in a world that desperately needs them, desperately needs them. And Lord, probably there's a couple folks in the room who, some young man, some young woman who really... Um, who's suffering from some anxiety, some depression, would you lift that in their lives? Would you remind them that those things will go away and that there are brighter days out there for them because they're in you, they belong to you. Protect us, Lord. Give us boldness, as Lynn said. Remind us that we belong to you. Pour your grace and goodness on us. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys.